All right, everybody, welcome back to Kente Corner. This is the Big East preview special or Big East tournament preview special edition. Um, Bobby Bancroft here, and as always, uh, head casual Hoya, Andrew Geiger. Andrew, what's up? What's up? Good times. Good times. Good times. Um, so the Hoyas are heading up to New York. They are playing in the 8 9 game, as always, against St. John's, as always. But they had a little business to take care of at home, senior day. Really cool environment, um, big crowd. The game was close. Georgetown loses again. They took the scenic route to just a heartbreak, right? You go from 14 nothing. you're like, okay, they ran out of steam. And then they get to the point where they're winning by four with a minute left. They still find a way to lose. They give up the last five points of the game. A, a goaltend call, which... I feel like, you know, to reverse that, I, I think if you call it live, but to go back, I thought the whole point of replay, maybe that's my NFL talking, was if you have if you, to replay, it has to be like 100%. The and... whole thing was was complete horseshit. <laughs> I mean, if you were to take this this game as sort of the time capsule game for the season, I, I think it pretty much had, had everything that, you know, everything you need to know about this group of Hoyas. You know, they fell behind early to um, – what in all respects is a superior Villanova team. Yeah. They fought so hard. They, they, they clawed back. Mosley gave it his all. Allen gave it his all. They all, I mean, they, everyone played hard. Pickett and then, had his best game. That, that was basically, you know, that was NBA testing waters picket, right? Like if he had like six of those games this year, <laughs> I think people would be worried in the off season. Yeah. But it's still picket doing picket things at the end there too, you know, defensively. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's, 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 it's Pickett is sort of a, a Jekyll and Hyde-ish kind of player. And it was on full display in that game. Everything was on full display in that game. It really yeah. was, you could take every moment from every game in Georgetown season, throw it on the floor in that final game. Again, to their credit, they fought so hard to pull it off would have been a real nice story. Um, I, I just, I, was it a foul even? I thought that was ticky tack. And then the goaltending call I thought was really ridiculous the whole way. It okay. Out. Yeah. But so yeah, um, yeah. in covering the game for the AP, it was a focus on Villanova because they're ranked and they're nationally relevant at the time. Let's all be honest. And I got a chance to talk to Samuels afterwards and, you know, he, he was, he was one for six from three. So he made the point that he saw where Pickett's feet were and he knew he had to go in and try and draw some contact, which is what happened. That being said, he he wouldn't comment totally if it was a goaltender or not. He said, well, the way I shot it, I thought it would go in, blah, blah, blah. But I think Wahab just has to learn not to do that because there wasn't a whole lot to be gained. And Villanova was getting refed as if they were the home team all game, if that makes sense. And maybe when you're the better team, that's just the way it seems. But that to me, like 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 I said, I feel like when you watch the NFL game, I feel like we're all used to doing that. Um, it's like, well, it has to be indisputable, and you, get, you know all this stuff. I don't know that that was indisputable, but that you have to count that. So just a terrible way well, for Jagan Mosley to go out. I think it was just too. It was yeah, just too and, bad. I mean, I, but I, but I don't think Wahab did anything wrong there. I mean, you're up by two, you block the shot, you know, recover the block, and all of a sudden you've won the game. Um, you know, I. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, it, it it was a close call. It didn't go Georgetown's way. Not as if that was going to make or break our season. Thank goodness, by the way. If if our like 
bubble destiny hinged on that last play. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you – I mean, well, <laughs> it would have gotten real bad. I mean, tell me how it was in the arena for, for that whole thing. Okay, so I know early in the game, I think you made a pretty, you know, sarcastic tweet about, oh, you know, welcome to Capital One Arena. It's a raucous crowd for the final on Fox. Or you, you tweeted something like that. And uh, yeah, it was it was Capital One Arena. Okay, Capital One. Crapital, sorry, yeah. sorry. So at that moment, you know, like all like all big time venues, as Capital One is, it's a late arriving crowd. And in the beginning, it was obviously a dud. Georgetown goes down by two touchdowns early. Not something you want to do mm-hmm. in basketball, but the second half, it was, you know, it was just like, wow. Like I know at some point I tweeted, what, look at us. We have a legitimate game here. The crowd is great. The game is great. Well, wow. like it used to feel like this more often at Capital One when it was Ryzen Center, whatever. And it was like, yeah. this is, this is, you know, this is really awesome. Like, wow, this is what it can be like. And you look forward to next year. Connecticut's on the schedule now. There's more of these opportunities. You know, I know that, you know, Georgetown's fan base is, you know, it gets made fun of and this and that. But, you know, the Syracuse game was good. This game was good. I want to say Butler was good. I mean, it's there. They just they just have to win more. Like, the crowd was there. Everybody was pumped up for Jagan Mosley's last game. You know, it was definitely a good, a good vibe. People will show up for Saturday Georgetown games against good opponents. Yeah. Or, you know, name name brand opponents. But that's not the issue. The issue is when you have a, you know, a Tuesday night or Wednesday night game against Seton Hall, which should bring crowds. And then, you know, someone like Creighton, no one's going to show up. It's just that that's those are the games where we need to do a better job of getting people to fill the seats, because those are the games ultimately you still need to win. And having a home court advantage would really help, you know? Yeah. Um, I know one of one of our better Twitter followers, and he asked a great question that we're going to probably talk about later, um, Florida Hoya. We got to talk to him. Like, what happened to the Stonewalls? Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's a good question. They were so active. And then kind of dur- during the downturn of the JT3 era, they, they vanished. I mean, I frankly, I think, a lot of young alums that were in D.C. after graduation left D.C. I also okay. I thought I heard something about some conflict with them and the arena. About, oh, you know, that's, those, what, uh, that's what that's what I was wondering stuff. about. I, I, I could be wrong, but we'll get to the bottom of that. Certainly we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about in the offseason. That would be a good thing to hit. Um, uh, so about the game again, Pickett fouled out on that foul that, you know, was the game winner. For Villanova, so he he played all but six seconds. Um, Mosley looked like maybe he had a cramp or something, and I think everyone was like, "Oh my God, is you know Mosley hurt?" Because you know this can't possibly end this way. So he he only missed seven seconds. So and then uh, Blair and Allen played all forty. I think what you were basically looking at, well, you're going to have four guys were going to play all forty minutes, which I thought was a little weird because, and maybe I'm just getting really really nerdy on this. I thought. Jaden Robinson and George Mirasan actually provided something against Xavier, um, particularly with mm-hmm. with George Mirasan's being his senior day, which is kind of why some teams will just start seniors because then if the game like goes a certain way, they play a little bit. I was a little surprised by that, but it's just crazy to think that Georgetown was going to play four guys forty minutes and they almost upset Villanova despite going down fourteen nothing. I mean, that's just insane. Yeah, 
And it's, you know, again, it's a testament to, to the character of the, the kids on this, on this team. And it's a shame that this season is going to have to end this way. Um, but you can only hope that they can somehow get another Mosley and another Terrell Allen on next year's roster. Um, so this kind of thing doesn't really happen again. Uh, right. Assuming, you know, obviously no one leaves. Yeah, um, you did mention, because a couple podcasts ago, I think we mapped out our perfect um, final five games, which was they go two and two, and then Villanova, you know, you have it all to play for against Villanova. Well, I know it's not what anyone really wants to talk about, but it was a bubble game, right? It was the NIT bubble that probably burst. Um, The NIT, you don't have to be 500, but a a sub-500 team has not made it yet. So if they had won that game... They're 16 and 15. Now they're 15 and 16, which means they got to go two and one, you know, to leave New York with a, with a, so it it was actually a bubble game. It just was the NIT bubble. Yeah. I I honestly thought that after they lost that to Paul, that NIT was going to be a pipe dream given what we had left, but look, we still have a chance. I mean, if they beat St. John's and then, you know, I I think you said it right uh, somewhere, you actually wanted Creighton to be the one seed because yeah. we've actually had some success against Creighton. And now if they're without uh Zygorowski or whatever, then, you know, cause he's hurt suddenly, maybe we have a chance against them. I mean, we, we need to get by St. John's first. He's actually been playing pretty well, but maybe you get two wins in New York and then suddenly you're back in the NIT. Okay. So you're right. So real quick, there's not a lot to talk about here, but we will discuss the, the teams. So the preseason, all Big East, Georgetown had two players. Akinjo was on second team. Obviously, he didn't make it. He left after seven games or six games, whatever it was. But Omir Yurt Seven was a preseason honorable mention. He ended up on the preseason honorable mention despite not playing much recently, which is a big issue. Um, were you were you at all surprised? Did you, did you think Omir's thirteen double doubles or all of his stats would land him on the second team or? Have you moved past Omir Yurt 7? <laughs> I think I can answer both of those questions in the, in the affirmative. I mean, I think his stats are impressive. Yeah. And he certainly warranted that sort of Big East consideration for the games that he did play in. I, I don't know why he's not playing now. Uh, so mentally, I've kind of moved on from him. I saw some report that he was considering playing in the Big East tournament, but then Ewing said it's up in the air. Uh, I, I don't know. What to, all I can say is that, you know, having played some athletics at any level, if you have some, if you have an important player in your team who perhaps can play and chooses not to, um, that's not really great for morale and chemistry and all that. But I, again, I'm speculating. He could, he could be very hurt. I have, I really have no idea. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we only get a slight glimpse into what's going on at Georgetown, and we we only hear very limited sound bites. Ewing has changed his tone. There was a conference call today, and you know he, you know he didn't really answer. There was no more information given, as you might expect. I, I'd be surprised if he plays. Um, and I don't think there's. I mean, I don't think anyone thinks McClung is going to play because we saw McClung mm-hmm. try to play, and basically, whatever his problem is, he just can't go on it. But I'll, I will say this. I think if he did play, 
I know I got some flack on Twitter for people coming at me saying it's crazy, but that is the path that you want. A St. John's team and your seven was instrumental was instrumental in the comeback on Super Bowl Sunday. And mm-hmm. he had a big game against Creighton um, when they won at, at Capital One Arena. So I do think if Omer Yurt Seven decides to play, I think that Georgetown has a chance to extend their season and make the NIT. I really do. The, but the, the Johnnies, the, look, the Johnnies blitzed Creighton. They yeah. had like a 20 point lead over Marquette at the half. Yeah. Barely held on in that one. I mean, they're, they're playing pretty well. This isn't a. T- this isn't going to be one that we can look past. Not that we look past anyone, right. but I really wouldn't be surprised if we take an L on Wednesday night. I, I, the way that St. John's is playing, not that we're playing poorly, but what do we really have? You know, it's just, it's tough. Well, look when you're, you know, when you're five and thirteen, okay. You yeah, obviously yeah. anybody can beat you. Now the one thing is, if Georgetown were to somehow get their sixth win of the season against a Big East team, it would be crazy that three of them would be against St. John's, right? So, yeah, you know, just I mean, would you feel good if I said that they were playing DePaul? Probably not, right? So no, it's not like there's any no. team you could be like, well, this is the, you know, this is a nice way to start the tournament and build up. You know, you're 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 five and thirteen, but like I said, you're seven plays. You start to think, hey, maybe we maybe we have a chance here, and that's that's all you really want when you head into the tournament five and thirteen. And I know we mentioned it a while ago. It'd be great if Jake and Mosley could leave his Georgetown days with a win in the Big East tournament. I feel bad even bringing up that fact because it's not solely Hagen's fault, but he doesn't have a win up in up in New York City. You know, last year's class, you know, of you know um, Caleb and. And um, Jesse and Derrickson was already gone, but they only have they only had one win up at up at the Big East tournament, you know. So it'd be nice to send out Jagan with the win in the Big East tournament. Yeah, I, and and to the point of whether I'd rather us be playing DePaul, uh, maybe actually, just because I feel like other than St. John's, Georgetown's the only team that isn't is going to have like a home court advantage there. You know, near, our, our fans do a pretty good job of okay, yeah, getting to MSG, and and also I I kind of think that other time slot is, is way better. Like playing 7 p.m. and then having to come around and play at noon kind of sucks. Like I, I'd rather play at 9 and then play later the next day, right? Like I, I, don't, I don't see how I, – I guess playing at noon benefits the, the one seed because they get a more tired winner of, you know, the 8-9 game. But – for Georgetown, I I kind of would rather be on the other side. Well, you know, it doesn't seem that long ago, but good God, it was a long ago where Georgetown had the back-to-back years as the one seed. And yeah. I think as the one seed, playing at noon sucks, right? Like, I don't think right. that that's a, that's a benefit. Now, I guess it's the benefit in that you if you win at noon, you're you're done, and you have until Friday at seven to go. Which you know, Friday night at the Garden's the best time, and all that stuff. But I think generally, like if you're going to catch a team and knock a team out, I mean, I know I was pretty nervous when Georgetown was the one seat. You're like, oh look, you're getting a team that's already played, and it's you know, it's noon on Thursday. Oh, yeah, like, you know, sleepy, sleepy. Yeah, it is. It's it's sleepy. It's not sleepy, Floyd. <laughs> so. 
There's a couple ways we could go. Would you like to dive? There's some pretty good Twitter questions. Do you want to just dive into those? Yeah, let's, um, let, let, yeah, let's hit let's hit the Twitter questions. I thought there were some good ones. Okay, so like I, like I like I mentioned, Florida Hoya, he and you know Ben Standing was we were hoping would join us, and he still might still might call in. But Ben's pretty good at um, hypotheticals. I know when we were driving back after the Gulf Coast loss. Um, I was sort of distraught and he would just coming up with like, you know, what he would just, he's pretty good at, at hypotheticals. This one by Florida Hoy is pretty good. He says, let's say the other nine Big East teams plus UConn are in a hat. You're in you're Georgetown. You get one random draw and whatever team comes up, you have to swap coaching staffs. No questions asked. And there's also no consequences. Like there's no transfers. You get all the recruits that were coming in. If you're Georgetown, do you take that risk? And I'm just like, wow. I mean, when it's, you say, hey, does anyone really have any questions question. for us? It's, it's a really good question only because, <laughs> you know, so, someone might legitimately say yes and be correct. I, I don't know if I'm quite there yet, especially with regard to St. John's and DePaul. Um, St. John has a pretty good coach, man. I mean, he's won I'm in college. Saying, I'm just saying, you know, if would the answer be yes? I'm not, I'm not quite there yet with St. John's. I think, yes, Mike Anderson has had some success, but Patrick Ewing has done pretty well against St. John's, especially this year against, you know, head to head against them. So, yeah. So let's just just go down the list. So obviously everyone's taken Villanova's staff, right? Like that's no question. Right. No question. Right. Yeah. And no nobody wants Dave Latos and his staff. Correct. Right. Okay. So boom, knock those out. Um, I don't think anyone listening wants Wojo and his staff. I, I'm okay with where we are vis-a-vis Marquette as far as the coaching staff standpoint go. I will say that Wojo has recruited pretty well. He has to get some credit for Marcus Howard. I do think they've underachieved yeah. somewhat, but they but they're they've been a tournament team. I mean, I, I don't think that's a hard no. Okay. Do we really want I know that this pod particularly was giving a lot of grief to Ed Cooley. Um I feel like if you want to switch with Ed Cooley, like you had a better option in JT three, right? Look, I mean, maybe Ed Cooley's <laughs> daughter goes to Georgetown. Maybe he'd like to, you know, coach the same school. I, Cooley, you you know, you can't say that you'd rather have Patrick Ewing as your head coach than Ed Cooley. It just doesn't make sense. <clears throat> yeah, I guess the what the way I'm looking at it is like we've sort of seen what Cooley's ceiling is, and I know you can't really throw stones when you're about to go for your fifth year in a row of not making the NCAA tournament. And Ed Cooley's been right. collecting his mail in the NCAA tournament, but they're they're not they're not getting great seeds, and when they go, they just lose immediately. Like I know there was a lot of grief around here because you know the, the upsets happened a lot for JT three, but he was always getting like a two seed, a three seed, a four seed. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if this is Ewing's floor, then fine. You're right. We don't know what his ceiling is. We probably do know what Cooley's ceiling is. That's, that's yeah. a fair argument. I just. You know, if if I had one game to win and I had to pick between Jung and Cooley, I'd probably pick Cooley just because yeah. I, I know what I'm getting from him at this point. Um, 
he's also he's also gotten some good players to to come through there. Um, yeah, let's go to another one. Kevin Willard. So it took him one, two, three, four, five years at Seton Hall before he made the tournament, and now he's about to make it for the one, two, three, four, fifth time in a row. So he clearly has built something. Has he though, or is this just the Miles Powell thing? They made the tournament before Powell. Miles Powell was there. I know, but is is has the recent run of like real success been on the back of of a single player? I mean, how good are they going to be next year? That that's really the key. So I mean, I obviously really they the had they had um, Delgado was you know a huge double double guy for that great college player, not an NBA player. Um, mm-hmm. And when you look at what Seton Hall did, you know they're one of these schools like Providence that when the league shifted. They 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 rose to the occasion where Georgetown's gone the other way. Um, so when yep. the league, you know, included Syracuse and Pitt and Louisville and West Virginia, he wasn't doing anything, and those guys left. And you know, luckily for the league, he's you know filled in that spot, which is great for the Big East while Georgetown waits to find themselves. Um, I think he pro. I think I think Kevin Willard has shown enough, and I think he's one of those guys that his name keeps getting mentioned all the time. You know. Maybe he might get out of there before, you know, we find out if there is life without Miles Powell, right? I mean, if when JT3 left and if, if Kevin Willard and Ewing were the two finalists for the Georgetown job, you would have taken who? Well, I was pretty adamant that I didn't think Georgetown was a job that should go to a coach with no – prior head coaching experience in college so Mm -hmm. i wouldn't have been all jazzed up about kevin willard but i probably would have gone that way yeah and and that's not that's not that's not not completely on ewing that's more of like my philosophy is i think georgetown's too big of a job to be like your starter right well and and since then i think willard's only done more to back up your argument then right because i mean he's, he's only had success since uh, Ewing's been the Georgetown coach. So, yeah, I think I would go with Willard and his staff over ours as well. Who's next? Butler, Laval Jordan. He's doesn't really have a whole lot. He was at, um, he was at uh, Milwaukee, didn't do anything. And then when Holtman left for Ohio State, immediately got Butler in the tournament last year, 16 and 16, lost in the NIT. And then this year he's got the Bulldogs right back in it. Um, you know what? I'm taking I'm taking our guys over, not just Butler, but also Xavier. Steel. Okay. I, I think that. Here's the thing. What if What if Ewing, Chris Mack, the four million dollar man, had been there? <laughs> I, I would take Mack. Probably. <laughs> Jay Wright would probably be the only guy I take over Mack. Um, yeah. The. But Xavier and Butler and Georgetown staffs walk into an in-home visit at the same time. I just have a hard time believing that any recruit goes with either of those schools over Georgetown. Do you remember that commercial from back in the day? I think it was Patino and John Thompson Jr. and someone else. And they were, I think it was like during the tournament, it was like a McDonald's or a Taco Bell commercial. I'm going to have to find that. That scenario you just presented reminded me of that. Mm Mm-hmm. But wouldn't you agree? I mean, I have a hard time thinking that Ewing couldn't get a kid to come to Georgetown, all things being equal against those two other guys. Steele or Jordan. Yeah. 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 So I think we've pretty much gone through it. 
Yeah. Oh, we haven't talked about Creighton. Creighton's kind of weird. McDermott's been great there. But when you look, like, he didn't do anything in Iowa State. Like, he went to Ames and just stunk. I mean, he actually, when he was at Northern Iowa, they played, you know, that the the year Georgetown went to the Sweet 16, lost to Florida. That was the first-round matchup in Dayton, Georgetown, Northern Iowa. Um, He was great there. Nothing at Iowa State. And then, you know, it it wasn't just his kid that made, you know, him and Creighton good, right? Like at first you're like, okay, look, they just joined the league, his son, blah, blah, blah. No, like they just, they just put up numbers offensively. Um, well, the flip side, but, the flip side there though, is like, look, they, they had every opportunity to completely fold after McBuckets left. Yeah. Uh, Patton was a one and done. They, they won the big East this year. That's unbelievable. <laughs> a team from They're Nebraska. Just, and, and, yeah. And, and that, it, you know that credit is all goes to McDermott. I think. I think as a as a game coach, I would definitely take McDermott over Ewing. Yeah. Okay. So I think we've got, and we haven't. Uh, what UConn's got Hurley. That's an interesting one. Yeah, you know, because Hurley was certainly a guy that the fan base was clamoring for to get the gig after JT three. Oh, yeah. uh, and now suddenly Hurley is going to be in the mix in the Big East with us uh, next season. He hasn't had the most, you know, a lot of success at UConn thus far, uh, which I think a lot of UConn fans are kind of missed at. Um, you know, besides the fact that they're playing in the American Conference, I think the fan base thinks that they should be a little bit better than they are. But Hurley is a good coach, uh, but he hasn't really done it at this level yet. I mean, if you want to call Rhode Island – a tier below the Big East, I guess. Um, and and UConn, he hasn't really done much yet. So, yeah. but his, but it, but that question though, would you take Hurley and his staff? I don't know enough about his assistants there. But you know, I feel like they, they've done a good job on the recruiting trail. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's almost like it's almost like this question might be something to revisit because. Absolutely. I'm not trying to say that people should be losing jobs, but I'd be pretty surprised if three years of what Georgetown has done doesn't result in a change. And I know it's not going to be Ewing, and I'm not saying it should be, but I think you catch what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. So you almost, you know, so when the question says the staff, I got to imagine the staff's going to look a little different next year um particularly i don't know if they're gonna try and get some defensive guru or a local recruiting ace i don't know but my guess is that the staff looks different so i, I think or, i think yeah well we can talk about that out in the off season yeah <laughs> go ahead. um so yeah so back to the question do you take the whatever you get from the hat or do you keep what you have I, I, again, I think we have to keep what we have, even though I think there are better options out there, just because there are a few options out there that would be worse off. Yeah. But the fact that it's sort of a question kind of tells you where things are. Yes. The fact, yeah, the fact that you have to think about it like yeah. hard. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a problem. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> this is a question I think you can answer really quick. When will the pain stop? Still waiting. I'd say give it till Thursday morning. The, 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 pain, the pain will never stop so long as we follow sports. Sports is pain. Next. Sports, sports is definitely, sports is definitely pain. Um, you probably, do you put, think, you should probably put that on a t-shirt. 
sports is pain. Yeah, Kente Corner, sports is pain. Yeah. Um, do we think, in, in, in retrospect, how much of the attendance numbers can we blame on the coronavirus? Yeah, I thought that was a pretty funny question because Georgetown would probably jump at that in order to justify an attendance figure. But <laughs> zero. Uh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think that the coronavirus has anything to do with uh, any attendance problem. The attendance problem is certainly one that is. It's a big factor. I think in the problem is winning begets attendance, but you can't win without a home court advantage. So. To me, that's problematic. You know, and seeing St. John's beat Creighton by 20 at the game at Carnesecca Arena, yeah, it makes you think that that maybe might Georgetown help. Can do something. Yeah, just start playing some home games on campus. Um, real quick, the Big East earlier today said the tournament is still a go. That being said, I got an email a little bit before that. The emails were just flying earlier. Um, that major or, uh, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and Major League Soccer are going to stop letting reporters like myself into the locker rooms. So hopefully they don't cancel the tournament before tomorrow. I'm sure they won't cancel the tournament. I think not having reporters in the locker rooms is, again, something that Georgetown is very excited about. Um, so <laughs> kind of thing probably benefits Georgetown in the long run that they don't have to trot out players to answer questions or answer any questions really at all. Um, you know, yeah, clearly the safe, the safety of the fans and the players and everyone in the staff is, is more important than, than uh, allowing people like you into locker rooms. Yes. Yes. Um, that being said for big East tournament, NIT tournament, NCAA tournament, the locker rooms are open for a certain period of time. Um, more, co- more colleges that came through, or, you know, more schools that came through, Verizon Center used to do that. It's pretty rare nowadays. Um, so where Georgetown used to kind of be like an outlier, um, they're kind of in step with what most teams are doing. I think I think Ron Bailey told me that when Eshrick was there, the locker rooms were open at some point, which I find hard to believe. And if I'm wrong, I apologize. But I, I, Ron's, Ron's, Ron's pretty uh, knowledgeable at stuff. I was not covering the team during that time, thankfully. Um, Okay, next. Seems like next year's team is a high-level point guard away from being competitive. Would you prefer an impact freshman like Collins or a grad transfer like Aiken or Smith? Um, I'll go oh. first on this. I think that, I think that unfortunately, I, I, I would like to say you know stop with the grad transfers because you know like we all we all love Allen, but he's gone, right? Um, at some point, Georgetown would aspire to be a team that gets a grad transfer to put them over the hump into like trying to win something significant. You know, Rodney Pryor, uh, Trey Dickerson, um, you know, um, Trail Allen. These are all, you know, I guess Allen's a little bit different. He was sort of a luxury item. But most of the grad transfers they've had have just been sort of like keep treading water. And at some point, it would be nice to get a, you know, to not have to go that route. Or if you go that route, it's to kind of put you like in the mix for like, you know, get into like the Sweet 16. Um, the problem with Collins specifically is that he'd have to reclassify. So this question of, you know, whether he's even ready, it's kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum as a grad transfer. Yeah. Um, but I would, 
if you get a grad tra- transfer point guard like the the kid from Columbia or the kid from Harvard and Collins, the problem is, and you've got Beard and you've got Harris. How many minutes is Collins even going to get, or any of those other kids going to get? Do you risk alienating them, and then you've only got one year of the of the grad transfer anyway? The thing is, it's so important to have that point guard leadership, and I think it's a no-brainer. You, to have success, you need to have a, a veteran point guard. Without one, we're going to go into next season with a backcourt of what Blair and point guard X. I mean, it's McClung. I mean, it's like. And then you got you got you got Beard and Harris. Yeah, you can't can't do that. I think they they absolutely need to get one of these. Uh, they do transfer kids. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They need one, but as I said, philosophically, it'd be great going forward if they can yeah. if the grad transfer doesn't have to be the savior it's more of just like a, you know a luxury item um which is what alan yeah. was kind of going to be um what is the floor on next year's team you know what's what's the ceiling um we're not going to know because of the grad transfer situation i think right now if you did a big east poll i don't really know anything about uconn yet i mean you know georgetown's in the eight nine game that's probably about where they are again next year right right yeah i mean there's no reason to think they'd be projected to be in the top four or five of the conference uh, unless something crazy happens in the off season. Um, I mean, best case scenario, you get a grad transfer, your seven decides to stay, um, you know, next, then you, you start talking about being in the upper half, but those, you know, one of those things definitely isn't happening. And the other one hasn't happened yet. Um, and you're losing two guys that are playing, you know, 40 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, thoughts on capital one and its utility going forward. This is like an evergreen question but yeah i mean it's, it's a thorn in my side and i'm sure it's a it's a thorn in uh lee reed's side too i i just don't that's the athletic director i i, I just don't know what the what the real solution is I, part of me questions whether they needed such an elaborate practice facility if they could have possibly put you know expanded mcdonough or renovated it somehow to turn it from a 3000 seater to you know, 8,500, something like that. Cause that's, yeah. that's really what they really need on campus. Um, and I don't know whether that's a pipe dream. The thing is they got a new football field there at the soccer field. I mean, everything looks great on campus. The one glaring issue that remains though, is the lack of, of a basketball gym where you can play games and have a, a good home court advantage. And it's, I think it's really hurting the program. I think I'm most disappointed in Ted Leonsis, who is a Georgetown guy, they built this new arena that's not near Capital One, but it's in D.C., and it's the home of the Mystics, the go-go play there, the Wizards practice mm-hmm. there. And it does, I, I mean, obviously this is like a much higher level, and maybe you've got some sources and you can figure it out, but it just seems like Georgetown was never involved in that. And, you know, they're playing the CAA tournament there right now. That seems like the ideal size. Like how? Why did Georgetown not get a part I, of that? I, I think the pro, I don't know if it's a part issue. I think Georgetown uses Cap One so much as a recruiting tool for kids. Like, oh hey, you get to play in an NBA arena and look at your locker room. That okay. they don't want to be part of it. I, I mean, I, I could be wrong. Yeah. But right. I mean, at the end of the day, what's what's better? Like coming to an NBA arena to play your games in front of. 6,000 people where it's empty and you can't make a shot because you've never shot in these rims other than during the games or playing at that 
go-go place, you know, where it might be yeah. a, a good home court um, or playing at McDonough where you're, you, you know, you're used to practicing sort of, you know, it just, it's something that needs to be evaluated and, and I'm not really sure what the solution is. We are running out of time, but I forgot one of the better Twitter questions. So let's give it a go here in the next three minutes. Um, this is from talk and be practice, our audio guy that I've yet to use. Hey, Kente, first time, long time. What would Jay Wright's record be with this exact same squad? And what seed would they be going into the Big East tournament with? Hmm. I mean, obviously, obviously better. Right. I mean, I, I, I have to think. Are we talking about this squad, like the, the walking wounded squad or the squad throughout the whole Well, I mean, the squad for we, the whole time. Yeah. So he would have had, yeah. you know, McClung in your seven until they got hurt. And now he would be working with what he's working with. I can't. I, I, I'm going to say 500 at least. Nine and yeah, nine. I was going to say eight and 10, at least nine and nine, yeah. probably. I think they would have taken a lot more threes, which probably for as much as I think Ewing has done a really good job offensively, the idea of pounding it into even Wahab and Eagle FA still, I mean, I get you want to pound it into your seven, but, you know, obviously, you know, Dorshan doesn't have the shooters. I get it, but you kind of have to shoot three-pointers to win in college basketball today. And I think Jay Wright would have definitely – Jay Wright's always played small ball before it was cool. So, I mean, I think Blair would probably have a couple more 30-point games. Um, and and we wouldn't be doing that hard hedge on defense, which costs us 20 points a game. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think 500 is a fair assessment. Yeah, I think somewhere around there and probably with some going into selection Sunday thinking that there's a shot at dancing um okay so they play st john's what do you think up or down can you beat a team three times that you might probably not be better than you can beat st john's three times even though you're not better than them yes yeah but i wouldn't be surprised if they lose to st john's at all I think for the Big East uh, sportsmanship player of the year, Jagan Mosley, who shared it with a couple players, I think it would be great if he could get a Big East tournament win and give himself a shot at Thursday at noon thinking, hey, we win, we maybe may, maybe we can do some stuff. Um, the team has become very Jagan Mosley. The problem is this. If, 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 if we beat St. John's, I think the fan base is going to be delusional enough to think that we're going to be great. <laughs> which would be kind of fun. So I, yeah. I really hope it happens. I really hope it happens. You have to hope it happens. And I really hope that there, there is um, another, an, another happy edition of Kente Corner left this season, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. All right, Andrew, I will next talk to you sometime after the Big East Tournament. Hope you have a good one. Boy, Saxa. Talk to you later. Boy, Saxa.